Hello and welcome to the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. My guest today is one of my dear friends, Amy Mudaspa. This past year, Amy has walked through a parent's worst nightmare, losing her four-year-old son, Evan, to a tragic drowning accident. Amy's story is not an easy one to tell, but it's a story that's a must-listen if you have little ones in your life. Did you know that each year about 4,000 people drown in the United States? 4,000. Drowning is the number one cause of accidental deaths in children age 1 through 4. And among children ages 1 through 14, drowning is the second leading cause of unintentional death, just behind motor vehicle crashes. Amy's life mission is now to bring awareness to drowning prevention and the importance of infant swim survival training. The past few months, Amy has teamed up with local ISR instructor, Joanna Gilkey, who also joined us for this episode. Together, they are on a mission to spread the word about drowning prevention so that not one more child drowns. Amy, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Goodness, I wish this was under different circumstances, but I'm just so appreciative that you're willing to come today and share your story. So thank you and welcome. Thank you for having me. And we do, this is a little bit different today because I have two guests. I have um, Joanna Gilkey also, who we'll talk to at the end because Amy's story leads into Joanna's and Joanna's involved um, with Amy's story and what how God has used her story. So Joanna's here with us today too, and we'll hear from her toward the end of Amy's story. So Amy, before we get into your story, can you just introduce us to the basics of who you are and where you live and all of that? Uh, I'm Amy Mudispa, and I'm from Collinsville, Oklahoma. Um, I am married to Captain Kevin R. Mudispa, who is a captain, uh, drives a supply vessel in the Gulf of Mexico for a month at a time. Um, and then we have two children, Joshua, who is 15, and Ruby, who is six. And then we had Evan, who was four, that passed last year. Okay. So with that, um, yeah, and you're a homeschool mom. You're just a, quote, average mom, but also just one of the most devout Christian ladies that I know. Um, and part of your story is this last year that you've lived through kind of a parent's worst nightmare, um, losing your son. Like you said, you had a four-year-old little boy, Evan. So do you, can you take us back to last September, right? Yes. Um, and what, what happened with Evan? Okay. It was September 17th to be exact. Um, the school that Ruby attends in Joshua was hosting a pool party in the Stone Canyon neighborhood and, um, it was for pre-KK. So we showed up that day to get to know everybody better, make friends. Um, we'd been in the water about a good hour and, um, Everything was seemingly fine. Um, I did not bring Evan's life jacket that day because I was running behind schedule and I didn't have quote unquote time. Um, and my my mentality was, oh, I'll just stay with him. You know, I'll just watch him, like most people probably would think. And uh, we arrived, and about an hour in, I got out of the water. I just felt compelled to go um, introduce myself to another mom who had been sitting out and had had no conversation really with anyone because she was with a child in a stroller while uh, the other moms were with me in the water. Um, I'd say probably we had about 20 minutes left until the pool party was going to end. And um, somewhere in a matter of that last 20 minutes, um, 
Evan had managed to go around that pool and slip into a hot tub, which at the time I thought was a kiddie pool because okay. I had seen him crawling around and all the kids kept calling it a kiddie pool. Okay. And was it like attached to the It pool was in the or? ground. Gotcha. And it was like a circle. So okay. it just looked like a kiddie okay. pool and seemed shallow. So I really took for granted my surroundings mm-hmm. didn't. And lots of other moms were there. So right. Like, we, yeah. we all were watching everyone's kids yeah. today. But um, yes. And while I was looking at the woman I was talking to, somehow he slipped into that and um, within moments he was he was mm. I didn't even know he was in that water drowning because you heard no huge splashing no screams nothing like we think might happen with drowning correct well as I scoped the crowd of kids my thought was I would see him mm-hmm. I would see him if he was in a problem or I would see him if he was drowning right. but I, I didn't see him anywhere because there were some kids playing out of the water in groups and and I just took for granted that if I couldn't see him in the water that he was just most likely right. at the snack table right. or something where Ruby had been. And so it's when you got up and couldn't see him and then you saw that he was down in the pool well, in the hot tub. Well, the host had called time on the party. Okay. So I stood up and walked over to where Ruby was standing who was with her friend and she said, look mom Evan learned how to swim underwater and she uh-huh. pointed to him and he was actually floating face down in the jacuzzi pool and that's when I realized just I knew right then that, that was not okay. Him. Right. But I couldn't see him from my seat because there was like a ledge Right. And so I really wouldn't have seen him like that. So could he have touched in that pool? Like in the jacuzzi? If he would have went feet front, I mean all the way down, it probably would have been right at the top of his head. Because I know people are probably listening wondering, well, how do kids, I know I have, how do kids drown in a bathtub or, Mm -hmm. you know, a shallower pool? So how, now that you know more, how does that happen that not even in a deep pool that that happened to Evan? You know, I think if a child is scared of water and they don't want their face in it, if something happens incidentally where their face gets in it, they can easily go into a fear or a panic and start trying to, I've read about this, how they try to start pushing out of the water and their hands are like this, okay. where they're outstretched in front. And that's how I found Evan. His arms were outstretched in front. Interesting. Like maybe they're trying to climb their way out, but they can't. And panicking and sucking in okay. water and struggling. And then they're just within seconds, they're drowned. Which it's just unbelievable because like I'm sure you've read and know now like it can happen in 20 seconds right. like it's so different than what we think as mm-hmm. parents that it's we're going to hear struggling and we have a lot of time and mm-hmm. um, and you're here to say that's not how it happens and mm-hmm. that's what happened to your son and I know you know we've had conversations that you have a hard time just letting go that you didn't get the life jacket or the pedal jumper but as we both know, like those pedal jumpers are not the best thing either, right? Is that what I've read and you've learned that I'm understanding from what we're reading, they can give children that false sense of security. Right. And then when they go back into water without one, they think they're all good and they find out they're not because they didn't realize the safety came from the equipment and right. not themselves. Right. Themselves. So, and that's what we'll talk about later in your story, how, mm-hmm. what is the best thing to prevent other people, other children from Live, happening to them what happened to Evan. Um, so we'll talk about that later. But you right then, I mean, all of this, you're in the same boat as other parents not knowing all of these things until it does happen. So you see Evan, um, the ambulance comes, takes him, and you spent several days 
in the hospital with him, living, like we said, the worst nightmare of any parent, correct? Yep. And was he pronounced dead at the hospital? I'm not sure the flow of events then when you got there. <sighs> well, he he arrived at St. Francis. Um, we were able to get to him at PICU probably around okay. 5.45 p.m. Okay. Um, at that point, they had said that he was comatose okay. with very minimal to no brain activity. Okay. So we had hoped that that would be a change. They had to do uh, like a brain test mm-hmm. on him, uh, two of them within 12 hours of each, so a full 24-hour two test. And with each 12 hours, it was just worse. And then by the end of the 24 hours, he was uh, declared officially cerebral death, which is full brain death, mm-hmm. and they said that he would not come back from that. And it was at that point that they began discussing our options, which is either take him fully off the intubator and the epinephrine and just let him just go, or decide to donate organs. And had you, where were you guys at in that process? I know that's something that a parent probably had never, never thought about, though. Had you thought about organ donation, but not for your children, but had organ donation been something that you guys had thought or talked about or where? Tell me how that thought process went with you guys. I'm a registered organ donor on my driver's license. Okay. And so for me, I always said I would want to do that. I never once in my whole life ever even thought about it for my kids. I didn't even right. know that was an option. Right. You know. No, I mean, I'd no never heard of it before. Never crosses a parent's mind. When do you think that? Right. Yeah. And so when they approached me, it made sense that if I could be one, so could he. I had been with him for two and a half days, watching him intubated, knowing that he was gone. And I just wanted closure. I yeah. wanted to just take him off everything and let him just pass in my yeah. arms. My husband, Kevin, on the other hand, had come to know Christ in this experience. He had fully surrendered his heart mm. to the Lord, and I did not know that yet. So when he showed up at the hospital and was presented with the idea of organ donation, as we were looking at each other trying to make a decision, my husband, Kevin, said to me, well, what would Jesus do? And I was so shocked by his answer because that wasn't typical of his lingo that I couldn't reply. And he said he would save as many people as he could. Mm. And at that moment, it was just, just, it was over. We were just going to donate organs. It was just exciting. And that's why, I mean, your story is one of the hardest I've ever heard, but yet seeing God's fingerprints all throughout it, it's incredible. I mean, from the organ donations, like you said, your husband got saved during this process. I mean, how... The enemy really intended this for such harm that God is just coming, sweeping through your story for good. And it's hard for me to say that because it doesn't minimize you lost your son. And that's like, I just can't even, I don't think moms, we can process that. Tell me how the Lord was with you during this process. Cause I know he has been mm-hmm. that without the Lord, you, even in those couple days in the hospital, kind of just mm-hmm. tell me the Lord, how the Lord worked with you and you. Well, on the very first morning staying there, which would have been the Tuesday morning, the Lord spoke to me directly and through the window looking out at his creation that I needed to release my guilt. Mm-hmm. He told me that death was not on purpose, that he knew I loved my son, but he informed me that if anybody felt guilt and new guilt, true guilt, it was God Almighty because he appointed his son's death. Oh, he appointed wow. that death and he told me, it was for your good. It was for Evan. Mm-hmm. It was for this moment. And yeah. he, it was for the saving of lives and that I needed to remember that. And that would be the, the, the truth that which I needed to cling to and tell people in that this moment, it wasn't just about a child who drowned and died. It was, it was going to produce salvation. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that Tuesday morning, but God was saying that for all multiple reasons. And you're, I mean, less than a year later, we're seeing that. Yes. Um, and one of those things is, like we said, the organ donation. So you and your husband made that decision that you were going to donate 
his organs, which so it was heart and is it a multiple of organs that were donated then? Well, I signed the papers to give permission for LifeShare to take whatever they needed. Okay. So, okay. And then, um, before we started this conversation, I said, there's just so many directions that you can go with your story mm-hmm. because God has been so his presence and just, it's been so overwhelming and known throughout it. So the organ donations are of course, one of them. So I know that you recently met one of the women, correct? That mm-hmm. got Evan's kidneys. Was that correct? Yes. Tell us just a little bit about that side story. Well, I have to preface it with one yeah, other thing. Absolutely. Okay, so before we donated his organs, a couple ladies from church and I prayed over his body okay. that when the organs were removed, wherever they went, that the Holy Spirit would go mm. with them and go before them and that whoever would receive them would receive the Lord's and the Lord's power. Yeah. And so, yes, one of the recipients that got the, one of his kidneys, her name is Patty and she's from Illinois. Okay. I found out she's a minister. Oh, I didn't even know that. She does marriages and she's very much a believer. Okay. And she had been on dialysis for eight years, eight years. I mean, it was a long Mm -hmm. time and she was about giving up in the process. The doctors told her there was no hope for a kidney. They told her it was over. She was actually going to go back to her center and resign as a dialysis patient and just take her death. And about that time, that's when she found out from her doctor, there was, there was a kidney coming available that they thought might be a perfect fit. Wow. And you, so you got to meet her recently, mm-hmm. correct? I did. Um, she came down. Tell us a little bit about that experience and just seeing God's fingerprints on that. Well, how we officially met was she sent a letter to me through LifeShare okay. with a prayer shawl that she had made for me and okay. prayers that she wrote for me. Of course, I wrote her back and, um, through just life share, we were able to get each other's personal contact information. We talked on the phone at great length and shared stories and things. But then St. Francis every year, I believe, holds a memorial service for children who pass from their hospital. Okay. And I told her about it and I said, would you like to come? Well, unbeknownst to me, her and her husband had made a decision to come. Okay. So they drove all the way down from Illinois to be with me for that. Yeah, that's incredible. And then she was able, we were able to present her to the St. Francis community as this is Evan's kidney recipient. Mm-hmm. And she was able to tell the crowd why this is such an important program because now she has a life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, this is like, again, this is all amazing, but I know still hard. And I'm still going back. I was at the memorial service for Evan. And going back to that day was probably one of the most powerful things I've witnessed because you were giving glory to God in that. Um, and just knowing that God was going to shine through this. So tell me how in the months past, how the role, how God is the role God's played with this. Cause I know there's good days and there's bad days and there's still really hard days and you're mm-hmm. still processing. Well, I think because he has spoken to me directly so many times mm-hmm. through it all that I know what I know. Yeah. If I didn't have a faith, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I know that the, the first morning after uh, his organ donation, it would have been Friday morning. Kevin and I woke up early in the morning before other kids, went out on the patio. Kevin took my hand and prayed the most beautiful prayer. And we were on our knees on the patio. And as our giant teardrops were hitting the pavement, all of a sudden a small rain began Mm -hmm. to trickle right in front of our tears as if God was saying, I'm with you. I'm crying with you. I hurt for you. And I'm going to explain to you the why. And I'm going to restore you. And I will make this right. And you will see in time what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. And it's those kind of testimonies that I can say to you where I know he's told me that. You know, at the night of his memorial, I was in the prayer room at our church and I was, I had my face down on the, the carpet and I was praying. And when I got to a place, 
you know, I had to pray because I knew I was going on stage. Right. I needed words. And when I, when I was praying, I couldn't think of anything else to pray. I just drew a blank. And at that moment, Jesus gave me a vision of Evan and where he is. And he was smiling and he was happy. And it was almost like he was waiting for the punchline of a joke. And I knew that was him. I knew it was a vision that he wanted me to feel that it was okay. Yeah. You know, that my son was happy and healed and and glad to be where he was. At that moment, I was able to get up and be empowered to go speak at that memorial. So those kind of experiences have been happening off and on through this whole time that keeps me up. And people are like, well, isn't she sad? Well, yeah, it hurts. Right. But I know what I know. Right. And that's what gives us the hope. And you know Mm -hmm. that you will see him again someday and say, well, your husband, I mean, the miracle that he was saved through this process. So the other thing that's come through with this, is it going back to the drowning prevention? And so that this is not any more children's stories. So how did the Lord start to work in your heart that that is the next thing that you need to to use from Evan's stories to help others and spread this word? Tell me how that process began and God worked in your heart with that. When I made contact with Joanna Gilkey, our ISR instructor here in Owasso, I finally got courage to enroll Ruby. Okay. And how did you know about, like, how did you know about ISR? Okay. The school school had a flyer from her where she was offering discounts for the students as a courtesy to Evan's, you know, peers and everyone. And so um, I didn't take her up on that yet because we weren't ready, but come January... That's when we enrolled. And after six weeks of watching Ruby go from week one where she was screaming, I don't want to drown, you know, Mm -hmm. and her having to learn to trust Joanna. And then by six weeks, watching her swim like a mermaid and own the pool. Yeah. That gave me such a, I don't know what you call it, a belief in the hope of it Mm -hmm. that I said, I can't keep this a secret. Right. And uh, as I began telling people about her lessons, everyone kept saying, what's ISR? And I heard that all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you know what it was? That's what I was going to say before you got the flyer. Okay. No, you had not heard of it. And ISR stands for Infant Swim Resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And it's also like Infant Self Rescue too, yes. which that's why I was like, which one is it? So mm-hmm. you got that flyer. And I know from the get-go, you were, you were pretty adamant, like, Ruby's still going to swim. We're not going to just have a fear of pools Mm -hmm. for the rest of our Mm -hmm. life. So you got her in that. um, And like you said, she was terrified, did not want to do that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, But you felt like she needed to continue to go through it, get over her fears. um, And I needed it. I needed to see that she could own it. I can see that for sure. And then after she did it, so how did that, because then suddenly we started seeing your story out there in the newspapers and news, Mm -hmm. um, and God just ignited this passion in you. So how did that just start to develop and roll and become more? Well, of course, we have Facebook, Mm -hmm. and I'd get on the Owasso Moms or whatever and just tell what I knew. But one day I just had this thought in my head, like, I wonder if we could do an Owasso reporter story. Uh Uh-huh. So I just called, and Art Hathaway is the reporter there who contacted me back. And I said, can we get this on the front page? And he was like, well, I don't know. It depends. And after we did our interview, he was pretty excited about the information. Next thing we know, we're on the front page Uh with her in the pool. And then... Um, I reached out to Channel 6 because that's I love Channel 6. And um, it was Brian Dorman wrote me back and said, we'd love to do a story on that. Next thing we know, he's got his cameraman out at Joanna's pool and he's filming this cerebral palsy kid nailing it, you know. Yeah. And then um, Shay uh, Rozzi from Fox 23 contacted me through Facebook to see if we could do a story. And then Army Corps of Engineers contacted Joanna to ask if we could come and do something. And then they contacted us again to do a Memorial Day, you know, water safety right. presentation. So God 
I, I started it with the paper and Channel 6, but God began opening doors after that for us. And that's our prayer that the doors will, if it's the Lord's will, that the doors will keep opening so we can make sure people know it exists. And what would you say to parent, parents that have reservations about that or that, you know, because kids cry, kids don't necessarily like it. I mean, I know there's myths out there and we'll talk to Joanna more about that. But you as a parent that saw your daughter not want to do it, um, what would you say to other parents that that's their reservation? It's hard in the beginning to watch mm-hmm. your child seem uncomfortable or afraid, mm-hmm. but it's harder if you know they're going to drown. And you've got to always weigh it up against why am I putting my kid in this? Do I want to be another statistic? Do I want the heartache of grief for the rest of my life? Or do I want to empower my child to take care of themselves when I can't? Because we as parents are not enough. Right. You're right. And that's what I was reading. You know, of course, ISR is all, all for the fences, the parent, but that is still not enough. Drowning is the number one leading cause of unintentional death in kids one through four. And unintentional is, I mean... Kids slip out the back door. Kids, do you think other parents are watching them? So mm-hmm. it happens. None of us think it's going to, but your story shows that it does happen. That is how you're using Evan's story. You are trying to spread the word about ISR and preventing these deaths. So I think we'll talk a little bit then to Joanna. Joanna, as Amy mentioned, you um, are who helped. No, you didn't help. You did train Ruby in the ISR infant swim resource training. So tell me how you got involved with being as an instructor mm-hmm. with that. And we'll talk a little bit more about ISR. So um, my daughter is eight years old and six years ago, um, I had enrolled her in ISR with a, um, with another instructor and I looked into it with um, my boys, but at the time it wasn't in Oklahoma. So I um, couldn't do it with them. They're older. So when I had my daughter, I looked into it again and I found an instructor and I got her enrolled. And as she was in the process of doing her lessons, there was a little girl in this area who drowned and she was almost the exact same age as my daughter. Mm -hmm. And she actually lived on life support for about a year. And um, so I followed her story for a year and it just broke my heart because I thought, you know, it could have been prevented. It could have been different. And um, knowing that my daughter was able to save herself, I felt this very strong um, pull to become an instructor because I thought the instructor that's here only comes during the summer. She lives elsewhere. She traveled to the area because of the need. And I thought if someone lived here and could do it year round, then we could reach more children, that we would have more awareness of the program. Um, and, um, so I felt a very strong pull from God to, um, become an instructor. And I actually, um, was working, um, full time and in an office and, and everything was very, um, up in the air. It's, it's a very long process to become an instructor. And, um, the training is quite, um, quite demanding. So, um, I actually sat on that for four years. Oh, you did. Okay. Yes. I went through the interview process three times and I think it was to the point that ISR was like, okay, here she is again. (laughs) (laughs) But But then this last time I told, I told my husband, I said, I don't know why I don't need another job. I, but I feel like this is my purpose. So Mm -hmm. I signed up and he thought, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I left and I went to Alabama for six weeks. Um, and I, 
I left my family and they, they did great with my husband. Thank okay. goodness. He's amazing. And, um, it's amazing. I mean, the Lord would not let up I mean, for four years. Right. It was like, you're and doing that's what I so. told him. I said, you know, I, nothing, nothing weighs on your heart for four years if it's mm-hmm. not meant to be. Right. So I signed up and I did it and, um, it's just been blessing after blessing ever since. Um, just, just meeting people like Amy or, or, um, having people call me and say, my kid fell in the pool this weekend and they rolled back and floated. You know, there's nothing more than more rewarding, you know, to feel like you have a purpose in life and not just a job. Right. And so, um, and to know, I mean, you are saving lives through this process. Yes. I mean, it's been, it's been very rewarding. So, um, when I found out about Evan drowning, I actually had a couple of his classmates in, um, in my class at that time. Okay. And I didn't know it. Okay. And until they told me, you know, this was one of their, their, um, peers. And, um, I said, you know, it was at a school function at the homeschool function. So I felt like all of those children at that homeschool, all of their teachers, all of their parents, they were all affected by this tragedy. So I asked one of my moms who um, was a part of that group to reach out to the administrator and see if they would be okay with me giving them um, a discount for anyone who was affiliated with that program because I felt like it was an opportunity to change the perspective Mm -hmm. and also maybe safeguard that specific community from having another tragedy. So, um, I, the administrator said that I could send out a newsletter. So I, um, sent out a newsletter saying, you know, in, in an effort of my condolences, I would like to offer this to anyone associated. Um, just let me know that you're, you know, a part of the school. And, um, and I, I received a few, a few of them had signed up, um, after that time had happened. And one of them was, um, a friend of Amy's who went to church with her and, um, And actually, when Amy contacted me, I didn't know that it was Evan's mom. You didn't know the story. Uh, I mean, I knew the story. You didn't know that. that I didn't know that was her. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was like, oh, yes, I will. um, I will do, you know, the discount because you're part of the program. And she was like, oh, actually, Evan was my son. Mm. And I was like, and your lessons are free. (laughs) I was like, I didn't know what else to say. That was just my response. So, um, But anyway, I, I just, I was so thankful that she was so brave to come forth that soon after Evan's drowning to be around water in general. You know, I, I don't know what parents feel like whenever they've experienced a drowning loss, if the water is something that they feel is, you know, demonic to them or, right. or they put it could some, definitely go both yeah, ways that, like we're avoiding it. water we're not being around pools but amy right was, like you said so brave to be like yes. no we're doing this we're facing this fear you know and so when i found out she actually we went to lunch together and i found out that she didn't know about isr before evan drowned mm-hmm. and so that was a very hurtful point for me because yeah. i felt like i had let her down because i'm doing this work in the water and i had only been instructor for a year but i was doing um this work in the water but i felt like the work outside of the water was equally important 
So that's when her and I discussed, you know, let's team up, let's go on the news, let's get the word out. You know, we don't necessarily, we can't make people sign up. We can't force it on anyone, but we can let them know it's there. Right. And then if they so choose to sign their children up, then that's one more person that we've reached. And that's one more ear that's been heard. And then I don't have to here, you know, I didn't know that was my, my biggest fear after having met Amy was that I would, you know, meet other people who didn't know. So, um, because you're so aware of it, you just assumed other people know. And and you don't. And when you read, um, you know, Bodie Miller's story and, um, Nicole Hughes, who Mm -hmm. lost Levi, um, last summer as well. Um, when you hear their stories, they didn't know either, you know, and I didn't know before my daughter was in lessons that it was such an epidemic. I just knew that we were around water a lot, having older boys and, um, and that I wanted her to be safe. Um, so, and I didn't know either. I mean, I told you, you guys that we've always had houses with pools and I just did what most parents do, put them in swim lessons mm -hmm. at the Y or private lessons and not the ISR, but it's tell us just a little bit. Let's talk about some of the details of ISR. So, What's the difference between ISR and just swim lessons that kids would take at the Y or a swim school? Okay, so ISR focuses on self-rescue and aquatic problem solving. Okay. And we also have, um, we've been around for 52 years. Which it, I read today, which I'm like, mm-hmm. they yeah, it started for a long time. Yeah, Dr. Harvey Barnett in um, Florida actually founded it. Um, he's been the only medical doctor, non-medical doctor invited to speak in front of the, um, American Academy of Pediatrics. And he, um, founded it, um, 52 years ago after he came home to his, um, neighbor drowned in Mm -hmm. a drainage ditch in front of their house, a two-year-old neighbor. Mm -hmm. So he um, made it his life's mission and he transformed all of his, um, education and modified everything to, to, um, be geared towards child psychology, um, to implement all the methods. And he figured out that, you know, children as, as young as six months old can learn to save themselves via sensory motor learning. So we teach via sensory motor learning. So it's not necessary that the child be verbal because it's muscle memory. It's the same way that they learn to crawl or walk. Um, because it's six months old that they can start. Yes, they can start yeah. from six months old. Um, they say six years. I've taken older. Okay. Um, that's just a good a good range. Lessons are 10 minutes a day, um, Monday through Friday, for an average of six weeks. Okay. That's not a set time frame, but it is when the average child completes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but, I mean, going back to that age thing, I mean, the younger, the better. Because if you're waiting until oh, yes. your child's older, you've missed those crucial years. Because one, one age one through four, when most of the drownings happen. Yes. Is that right? Yes. We base it off of sensory motor learning for um, children who are young or toddler age or young elementary school aged. Um, because they can only be in the water for a certain amount of time before their body temperature starts to drop and they um, start to tire out. It's mm-hmm. a one-on-one lesson. Right. So there's no wait time. You know, it's right. not like a group lesson where there's four kids to one instructor and right. each kid only gets so much time. Um, you're, it's just you and that child the whole time, the whole 10 minutes. And I have people ask all the time, you know, why only 10 minutes? Um, 
um, can my child go longer? And then what I, I'm just like, come to a lesson, mm-hmm, come to a lesson because it feels like more than 10 minutes because they are working the whole time. And, um, and it's intense 10 minutes of time just with you. Learning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and we, we adjust it. So my, my lesson tempo is one of my biggest contributors to, um, to the overall success of each individual personality type okay. of, ch- of child. So some children need a slower tempo. You know, they need to know exactly what's going to happen, what we're going to do next. And they need to work on one, one tiny approximation a day. Other kids, we need to speed it up, okay. you know, too much time to, um, think about it and anticipate, um, causes them anxiety. And we just need to get them successful at something because yes. once they get, a skill mastered, then they're happy and they're upbeat. And, and, um, so that's why you estimate it'll be about six weeks. If yes. Need it. And I get that question a lot, okay. you know, are you just teaching these kids to float? And that's not true. Um, under the age of, of 12 months, they are taught to roll back into float and to stay there until help arrives. Okay. Um, but over the age of one, um, and really that, that exact age varies on the child's motor skills at the time. Um, but they are taught to swim until a comfortable need for air roll to their back and rest and breathe and then flip back over and continue swimming until they reach an edge or a ladder where they can crawl up okay. to safety. Okay. So that's good that you kind of distilled that myth. What are some other myths that parents have or just thoughts? Cause I, like I spoke with Amy, like I see, Facebook posts of like, what do you recommend for swim lessons? Not ISR. I mean, so some people, parents, like, why would they want to just cross that off the list? Because they've heard well, certain There things. are, yeah. So one of the things that I get told is that it traumatizes children, which I can say that I've never had that happen. Right. Not a single You've had child. scared children or crying yes. at first, but yes. never at the end. So, yes. So for the first couple of weeks, you know, one thing that they have to realize is that these children are in very much the stranger danger phase of life. Yes. You know, they don't want to be left with a nanny. They don't want right. to be left anywhere where they can't see That's mom. That's a very good point. And, yeah. um, and so they don't know me. And so we have to develop a relationship and we do that. One of my top priorities, the first couple of weeks of lesson is emotional stability. One of the behaviors that we focus on primarily in the beginning is trust and, and in, you know, we, we need to shape out that fear or that anxiety and help them to be more comfortable. So emotional stability is one of the first things that I address because a happy kid's easier to teach. I mean, let's just be honest there. So, so as sooner I can get them comfortable with me and the sooner that I can get them happy and comfortable in the water, the, the quicker lesson progression happens. But most of the time, it's just a matter of portraying, um, that positive, um, verbiage to your child when they're in lessons. You know, I, I have a lot of times, you know, moms will come in like, it's okay. You're going to be brave. You're going to be okay. And, Mm -hmm. and coddling them. And I will say, you know, tomorrow let's try something new, you know, let's put them down, let them walk up the ladder, let them come into the pool on their own and let's cheer them on, you know, let's show them that this is their time to shine. This is something for them to, um, to be proud of themselves for that. They're going to be celebrating their success. And I get phone calls from people saying, you know what? I feel like this has helped them in other areas of their life where they had uncertainties and they were scared to try something new. 
and they now have this new confidence about themselves because they over they overcame it, but they also did it with a sense of pride rather than a sense of fear. You know, the once lesson. they know what to do and they understand that yeah. this is my buoyancy, this is how I can operate in the water. These are my limitations. These are my abilities. They are happier in the water. They understand yeah. it. They don't have the false sense of security that you were speaking about mm-hmm. earlier. So do parents it's watch very... the lessons or no? Yes, they, they do. do. Okay. That's another myth that I've okay. been told is that parents aren't allowed to watch okay. the lessons. I which... didn't know. Nope. Okay. No. Nope. So parents can watch. Yes, they do. They stand right there at the, the edge. We ask them to take cues from us, you know, cheer when we cheer. Good. Be quiet when we're quiet. Okay. Um, so that people want to, you know, they're on the fence. They're not sure. Can they come watch other kids lessons? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you suggest to find out more? I mean, obviously we'll put your website and information. Um, you're in the Tulsa area and this is a nationwide mm-hmm. program. Yes. So the main website parents can search, like where's an instructor in my area. Now, what if they want to come watch? Is that other children. Is that something mm-hmm. encouraged? Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I've had many people come and watch a lesson. Okay. That's fine. Um, and sometimes if I have a child sign up with autism, let's say, okay. that and was, they have a, a good lot point. of, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. So we do do, we have a, the front end registration process is quite lengthy okay. and it's why I'm so honored to be a part of ISR and not any other program because we are the safest swim program out there. We have a 100% safety rating over 52 years. I know one more quote objection is the cost. Uh Um, and it it is more expensive. I mean, the easy answer is what your kid's life worth, but I mean, I know that that is a reservation for some parents. So Mm -hmm. what do you say to that? I mean, I think there's scholarships available. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk a little bit about that. So Um, there are foundations out there. Um, the Judah Brown project is one of them. They're out of Houston. Um, the live like Jake foundation is out of Florida. I send most of my children to the live like Jake foundation. Um, they provide scholarships. You have to fill out a, um, financial form. It goes based off of how many people are in your family versus your income. Um, we don't see any of that. It goes directly to them and their nonprofits and we do fundraisers for them every year. Amy and I just finished doing a 5k for them and we're doing a watermelon stand this summer for them. Um, but don't they let are the cost, available. Right. So yeah. don't let the cost yes. stop you because yes. there are, that's not an excuse. I mean, there are resources and we'll put those links on the store, the show notes, because there are ways to help offset the cost mm-hmm. or pay for it via mm-hmm. scholarships. Yeah. So, Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And just yeah. continuing. I mean, I feel naive that I didn't know more about this, but, um, I want to help continue to spread the word like you okay. guys and just save save these kids lives. I know all we just heard from Joanna was, um, things that you didn't even know this time last year, which, um, now is your life goal to make sure all parents know this and no more kids drown. And like we, Joanna and I talked about the cost thing. Like, I know you don't want that either to be something that hinders kids from, from doing it. So tell me what you would, what you would say to parents that are still kind of on the fence about ISR versus traditional swim lessons and spending that money. Um, just speak to them. Well, you know, I think every parent needs to do what they believe in their heart is best. Right. And no judgment for me if they don't go ISR. I, I'm biased. I think it's right. probably the greatest. Right. There are programs out there that do teach, swim, float, swim that I would endorse too because right. they're teaching survival. Right. Um, there, I know what it's like to not be able to afford it. 
Yeah. And I'll be honest to this crowd listening that if I would have known about ISR before he drowned at that time, I probably still wouldn't have done it because I wouldn't have been able to afford, yeah. you know, good expensive lessons. But now that I know what it feels like to lose a child, yeah, it's like car maintenance. Do you take your car in for an expensive $600 fix? Well, yes, because you need and love your car. Same thing for children and their safety and their well-being. I've learned the hard way that that you don't put a price tag on those kind of things. Right. You find a way to afford it. And, you know, we are doing fundraisers to help support the Live Like Jake Foundation because we believe so much in helping that, that fund, those funds grow for scholarshiping kids. I'm even praying about right now how I can make purposeful money and be a stay-at-home mom so I can help sponsor my friend's kids. Yeah. How can I do that, God? So I'm waiting on him to show me new avenues to do that. And the other thing, Amy, I mean, like I said, you've lived a parent's worst nightmare, and unfortunately there's other parents that have gone through this. What would you say to those that are... And you're still grieving and probably always will that loss, but other parents that are walking through similar things or that it's a newer thing that they're walking through. I mean, I'm talking to a woman next week that has lost her little girl to cancer. It's Mm -hmm. like, what would you say? I mean, I know you couldn't get through this without the Lord. My regime is to get up early in the morning before anybody else and open the Bible and just pour myself in and read that word. And just every promise I read, just soak it in like a sponge Mm -hmm. because we live by faith and not by sight. That's what it says. And we can't say, well, my son is gone because of X, Y, and Z. God and his sovereignty allowed it to happen for the greater good. And I think that that if, if people can really trust in a God that they can't see, trust in a purpose which he says he has for us, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, and rest your faith in that. That's how I get by every day. Yeah. I also pray for other people because when I take my focus off my own heart or my own problems and intercede for other people, my prayer journal is getting longer. And that is, that's a healing factor for me. Okay. To, yeah. to, you are to remember that we are I mean, praying and yeah. encouraging. We're all in it together. We're all in it to win it. Um, I, I know of a couple right now in Texas who just lost a one-year-old, and I pray for them every day that God would just increase their faith mm-hmm. to believe in a greater good for these tragedies. Yeah. Yeah. And you are just an incredible prayer warrior and woman of God. And I'm thankful for you and your friendship mm-hmm. and just thank you for sharing you. today and for encouraging so many, mm-hmm. Amy. Yeah. I mean, thank you. oh, I just, um, yeah, so thankful for you mm-hmm. and Evan's, Evan's story that again, that verse Genesis 50, 20, yeah, Joseph was talking to his brothers and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good for the saving of many lives. And you know, yeah. God gives the beauty for ashes, yeah. the oil of joy for mourning. Absolutely. And that, that is your story to be told. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having us. As parents, none of us think Amy's story could be our story. But I hope this episode has made you aware just how easy a drowning accident can happen to a child. As parents, we must be proactive to train our children so these drowning tragedies can be prevented. More information on ISR and the Live Like Jake Foundation can be found at HerStorySpeaks.com under the show notes for episode number 33. Perhaps more than any other episode, I encourage you to share this one with a friend. Let's join Amy and Joanna in their mission so that not one more child drowns. <laughs>